Hello, and welcome to the Friday edition of the Upper Bowl GM podcast. It is Masters weekend. Of course, I am your host, Nick Zarras. I'm very excited about the Masters. Today's show got a little bit delayed, had a scheduling issue, but as promised, we are going to delve into all things natural predators, get a better understanding of a team that's gone through a series of ebbs and flows this year in particular to get themselves back into the conversation of being a playoff team, even though they started out pretty cold. Another microcosm into just how weird an NHL season can shake out. Uh, I talked about this quite a bit yesterday on both this show with Hunter and on Hunter's edition of the Lockdown Penguins podcast, just how random hockey is and the fewer games you have of a sample, the more random those outcomes are going to be. And in a 56-game season, a good week and a half, you know, a good week and a half is like 10% of your entire season. You rattle off three, four good weeks over the course of a month, month and a half. You're on fire. You bank enough points. You get comfortable enough. You can absorb a bad stretch. That's one of the weird things about this shortened season. We're a little bit ahead of the Ranger game. The Islander game is about to start. The Nashville Predators are about to play the Red Wings. But before I get to my very special guest, I do have to remind everyone to subscribe to the show. If you are using Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Audio Boom, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, any other streaming platform for podcasts, please subscribe. Makes my life easier. Feedback helps. Growing the show is important. Organically over time. It's not easy, but we're making it work guests like today's guest help that because they introduce the show to a newer demographic but one last thing if you're on apple Podcasts, take an extra minute and please go to the show's page go all the way to the bottom you're gonna see five stars that are clear if you tap the one furthest to the right that would leave a five-star review and beneath that is a button that says write a review if you have the time Please, even if it's just a sentence or two, that stuff means the world to me as a content creator. It helps let me know I'm doing a decent job. Really do appreciate it. All of that said, I will see you guys on the other side of the drop. Crawford will go to the bench again. Rene will try it. Rene going deep for the empty net. It is bouncing. And with that, I welcome on one of the very funniest people I follow on Twitter, a purveyor of immaculate vibes in the hockey universe. How are we doing, Knox? Uh, sleepy. That kind of day, huh? Yeah, pretty much. I just uh, just cut off work. I told you that, but the Preds play in like twenty minutes. What? Ha- twenty minutes or so against Detroit. We're here to talk about your Predators. I could talk about the Red Wings. I, I honestly, I'm kind of glad that this got scheduled when it did. I know we rescheduled, but I, I hate watching the Wings unless they're playing the Lightning because it's, that's funny. They turn into a super team. Yeah, yeah just seeing the tank. But uh, I'm not really missing out on much, I don't think. Uh, they're two very boring teams. I probably shouldn't say that about my own team, but, you know. Watching paint dry is more exciting than watching Detroit face off against Nashville. So, 
I mean, at some level, it's kind of a tactical thing where Nashville kind of knows they don't have the high-end talent they've had in recent years to kind of play an open-ended game, a lot of shots on goal, concede a lot of shots on goal in the hopes of creating some offense. So it's not exciting hockey. I mean, I just wrote something yesterday about the Islanders doing that exact thing of slowing a game down not conceding a lot of offense, but when they do create offense, it's very advantageous, it's dangerous, that kind of thing. It's not exciting, but it's unfortunately a part of the reality we have as hockey fans is that coaches are trying to not get fired. So if they can play very conservatively, hang around 500 and stay in the mix for the playoffs, they're going to do that, unfortunately. It's why you see the dumb things we do in overtime where Teams will just skate the puck out of the offensive zone, circle back around, reset, not even take a shot on goal, reset again. Coaches are very bad people. They're very boring. They have bad vibes. There are no hockey coaches with good vibes. Yeah, no, I can, I can agree with that. So let's start with the most obvious. What's your entry point to sports? Because the entire foundation of this podcast is people who let sports consume way too much of their life. And part of that journey is understanding what your entry point was to it. I would, I would say pretty much started like with my dad, like none of my friends really like hockey. Uh, most of my friends are like shoulder deep in the local punk scene and organized sports is basically the farthest thing from punk next to being like a landlord. So <laughs> especially hockey yeah on the outside I could understand like people thinking otherwise but like they can't even form a proper union but that's 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 another thing I I joke that uh Georgia or yeah was like the closest thing to punk hockey player will ever get on account of him punching a bigot my friend my friend Michaela said something along the lines of like the only punk hockey players are in beer league and he said it purely in jest but like I can't disagree. More or less, yeah. These are all people who come from at least a upper middle class background to get to the professional ranks of hockey. It's really, really hard to play hockey at any level if your parents don't have some money. Uh, Not a lot of high schools feature hockey where it's a varsity sport where it'd be free. You just have to provide your own equipment. It's a very privileged space. It's a very white space. It's It's not... Like you said, it's about as far from punk as you could be without being golf, basically. Right. It's one tier below golf. But, uh, oh, yeah. Sorry, that was completely off. But, uh, yeah, my dad. Basically, my dad was, like, employed at the Bridgestone, and uh, he was manning cameras for a country music award show or something. And he uh, later learned that we'd recently acquired a hockey team, and it was uh, – all downhill from there I suppose and uh turn my first game when I was four maybe I don't I didn't have like a special moment when it clicked or whatever like stored away in my memory bank I can hardly remember what I had for breakfast this morning <laughs> if I had breakfast this morning he but so he was because I told you about like uh NASCAR and mm-hmm. all that, how, how that was like my gateway inadvertently but he was working between the racetrack in Bristol in the Bridgestone Arena in Nashville he was working cameras and uh, I'd always followed him to the racetracks though and I think that's how it started maybe not so much hockey but like sports general, in general yeah yeah just in, in general intrigue for sports 
And uh, yeah, like I said, I would say that NASCAR was basically our gateway to hockey, which maybe sounds ridiculous and very southern fried sports, but it makes perfect sense. And I, like I think, because like it's it's familiar. Oh, they're, no. they're both fast and violent and with a lethal dose of like toxic masculinity and fan bases with middle-aged white men so you know no absolutely i definitely i was always a casual nascar person kind of you know check in three five times a season watch a couple races be mindful of what's going on know when people who are important retire that kind of thing but the pandemic last year kind of made it where it's like this is the only sport that's on so if you want to watch sports we're watching cars go in a circle and god damn it nascar got me because it was the (laughs) only thing to watch for at least two months it was nascar soccer and golf that's all we had for two and a half months quite like the my god the range yeah and hey that's intense I'm very proud to say I cannot wait to start getting up at like 6.30 in the morning for Formula One races when the schedule ends up where their tracks are in the Far East and Southeast Asia, that kind of thing. Sports, they all bleed into each other. We're all looking for the same kind of thing, regardless of what sport you watch. If you're watching baseball, basketball, hockey, soccer, football, racing, whatever you're watching, you're all looking for that. We're all in search of that one thing. We're looking to see something crazy. We're looking to see something we've never seen happen before. We're all looking for a little bit of escapism. You know, this is a game. Hockey at its base is a game. It is played by children for fun, but we've professionalized it, and it is grown men playing it for millions of dollars in a billion-dollar league. And at a base level, it's still the same game. It's the same game you could play with your friends if you brought a bunch of sticks down to a cordoned off area of a street with some goals. It's at its base, it is a game and games are fun, which is the entire point. When would you say was the point where you kind of realized, well, damn, now sports are kind of too important to me? Uh, well. How old would you say you were? Cause that's kind of the ballpark, really. Oh God, I, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's not like, like, I told myself that would be like a strictly casual enjoy of hockey, but mm. like that's not possible. I don't think it's One, not. I don't necessarily enjoy it. Uh, two, that I have ADHD, which hopefully won't be too apparent as like this persists. But uh, I don't know. Hockey is just like so insanely complex, like relative to fucking literally any other sport. I feel as though there's like no casual way to go about it. But yeah, I don't know. My main fixation prior to that, as I said, was like NASCAR. And mm-hmm. the only rule there was just drive around a fucking circle relative to hockey with icing and goalie interference and offsides. And I'm still learning. So I, well, I don't know. There is no learning. The, the NHL doesn't know what goalie interference is. Like the people in charge of defining what goalie interference is don't know what goalie interference is. That's not a knock Fair on enough. you yourself. The league doesn't know. So it's not on you. Because I was trying to think, I was talking about this with my friends from home, my hometown the other day. We were trying to kind of pinpoint that area where it's kind of like, well, yeah, sports are going to be my personality. And I was trying to think like a specific time. It was, 
probably like that early point between elementary and middle school where you're kind of looking for things to talk with other people about just to not be sitting by yourself during lunchtime and kind of figuring out that like you know other people are talking about football well shit i gotta watch football this weekend so i know what the fuck they're talking about and you know i kind of just adopted that and yeah we hung with very different crowds (laughs) (laughs) for for me it was like dragon ball but yeah go pop off yeah hey I have friends who watch Dragon Ball Z too. That I, I, that's part of this. That is part of this. Is... I'm not a normie. Exactly. Exactly. So when we're talking about the Predators, they've kind of gone through a few different iterations. That, that early expansion era, they've had a relatively stable organization for a number of years. Had the same general manager forever, and they were one of the early teams to adopt a forward-thinking mindset, one of the early teams that kind of validated the analytics and possession stats that is basically what the nerdy people are constantly talking about on hockey Twitter and in major sports publications now. The Predators were one of those early teams to adopt a forward-thinking mindset of our defensemen don't need to just be able to hit people. Our defensemen need to be able to skate. They need to be able to pass the puck out of trouble, and they need to be able to contribute offensively. And One of the things I thought about while I was forming the outline to talk to you about this was the Predators kind of got away from what made them good post making that cup final. And I think the best way to frame this conversation is starting with the cup final and getting the pain, ripping the bandaid off out of the way early and then kind of building your emotions back up. So you're not devastated remembering how awful Sidney Crosby is as a hockey player and how just frustrating that series was. Cause I still vividly remember being frustrated and thinking Nashville was definitely a better team. It's just hockey's a dumb sport and random bounces dictate the flow of the game. So yeah. let's start there. Take me through what it was like that Stanley cup final being a Predators fan. Uh, that I honestly, that was like when I, when I like fell off, I don't know, man. Basically, after that, because I had, like, this huge not falling out with sports, but I basically just, like, gave up on it because I was like, why? We're never going to, like, get back up to that point, like, ever again, basically. And uh, I don't think I'm wrong in thinking that, even now when, supposedly, we're looking towards playoffs. But, uh yeah, I uh, I don't know. I kind of went like there was like this dormancy in like uh, my phase of, like a sports fan or whatever. Ew, I hate saying that, but uh, like <laughs> I, I was just kind of dormant in that for a while, and I didn't pick it back up. It like basically it it was the pandemic when <laughs> I picked it back up. Like everything was already messed up because it was. It's fucking the pandemic. So I don't know. Like I, I wasn't very invested in my youth. I just kind of thought it was fun, and uh, I long for that level of ignorance now. I guess mm-hmm. like literally, my favorite player was Jordan Tutu, and that was solely because I liked his name, his number. Now he's born on the second of February in Tutu, and that appeals to my OCD. This doesn't say that like he was. He wasn't like. I think he was one of our best. But he was a good hockey player. He was yeah. definitely a good hockey player. He's a legend in like every regard in his story and his sobriety, like, you know, inspires me. 
Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I, I don't know. It was like I said, it was the pandemic, and uh, that kind of like uh, shit. I'm back in moment for me was mm-hmm. my dad always texts me like about sports like all the time. And uh, when I actually had something to say back to him, I was like, oh, fuck. I was like, God, this is it. It was, yeah, it was during the, during the bubble playoffs because somehow the Predators wormed their way in there. And uh, of course that was anticlimactic as all hell, you know, out with a whimper and all that. So it kind of sounds like you want to start making fun of Matt Duchesne. From what I'm gathering, <laughs> just your frame of reference, the frame yeah. of reference of where this conversation is supposed to go, we're going <laughs> to make fun of Matthew Shane being like, you know, the camp counselor personality playing guitar everywhere. But just based on the, it's never going to get better than here, talking about a Stanley Cup final you weren't that particularly invested in, I think it's time to start talking about how the Predators kind of went away from what made them a good hockey team and made them get to that cup final where they traded away guys, they brought in guys from outside the organization and trades and free agency. And I feel like that Duchesne signing in free agency was kind of the delineation point between the Predators doing what made them successful and then deciding, well, we didn't win in the playoffs last year, so we need to go out and add talent. And this is the best guy out here. It doesn't matter if he really fits what we want to do but he's the best player available and he likes country music so we think we can make that work yeah that that i mean like we had pk with that and he was fine with that and it, it, it's just our vibes just went out the window when we lost him and acquired duchene shortly thereafter unless i got my timeline wrong which, no that was the same summer that was the yeah. same summer yeah. yeah but uh yeah no pk basically carries like the entire personality of the NHL next to fucking gritty or something like that. <laughs> but yeah, I it, in regard to like likability, uh I feel like our team is never really that likable. But I, I can't say that. I, I I'm just saying I genuinely liked that team that made the cup final and then lost to the Jets the following year. I mean Philip well, Forsberg is an exciting hockey player. Yeah. Roman Yossi is one of the five, ten best defensemen in the league. Ryan Ellis has always been underrated. Mike Fisher is married to Carrie Underwood, which counts for something. <laughs> Victor Arvidsson always does the jumping thing on the power play. There are likable people on the Predators. Yeah. Oh, well, it... I don't know. Just spoil and his hard-on for steely North American players leading him to pursue just the fucking worst of the worst and butchering the 2020 trade deadline, but uh, anyways, yeah. <sighs> Hines sucks, but not in like the fun way, not like AV or Sutter, which is to say that he doesn't suck in a way that's like... Funny? Yeah, like openly contemptible in regard to like his strategies because it's more like a lack thereof. Mm-hmm. Or like so I've gathered. Uh he's just I don't know, he's just cowardly. Like Yeah. I mean cracks are definitely beginning the show, so that's kind of fun. <laughs> but you know. No, no, I definitely understand that the kind of why am I even doing this at this point kind of frustration with your fandom, with liking the predators. I definitely understand that, but you kind of 
you've embraced the nihilism that a lot of people do with their hockey team where it's kind of like well i've invested this much time into it and i've invested this much of my energy into it and at the very least i've made some very cool friends out of this process so i can't just wholly abandon this because this does matter to me on some level and I entirely get that. I definitely have felt that level of frustration with my hockey team, with my football team, with my baseball team, with my basketball team. All of my teams put me through the ringer of that level of frustration. So I entirely understand embracing the nihilistic view of, well, our coach sucks. Our team isn't bad, but it's not that good. We probably can't win a championship, but we're not an embarrassment. Like at some level, you almost would rather kind of be the Red Wings where it's like, we're supposed to lose. So when we win, it's funny. Screw the lightning. Yeah. And yeah, because like, like you said, like with a team like Nashville, I feel like it's purely fucking happenstance. Like mm. some days are winning days, some days are losing days. They don't particularly play any different or any better. It's just kind of how it goes. But yeah, I don't know. That's the thing with uh, the thing with hockey. I feel that makes it unlike other sports maybe or I fucking what would I know I haven't really delved into many other sports but like just the highs are like really high and the lows are like fucking miserable and just I'm just in a constant state of like emotional whiplash as a hockey fan and uh I don't like do you ever learn how to navigate that no, probably not. <laughs> you never do. I've been getting emotionally devastated every single time the Rangers have made the playoffs of my entire life. I'm 24 years old. The Rangers made the playoffs nine times of the 24 years I've been alive. And every single time has ended with me crying in my face in a pillow, being miserable that you dumb fucks disappointed Henrik Lundqvist again. How could you dare do this to him? Oh, every okay. single time. Just you have the best goalie of the last 20 years on your team, and the best you can do is like two and a half lines of good players and like three good defensemen. That's really the best we could do. And dipshit coaches like Elaine Vigneault, who as soon as their first initial strategy doesn't work, they don't have a backup plan. So you just do the same thing for an entire seven game series. And if you're lucky enough to get to a seventh game, maybe Lundquist stands on his head, he steals the game and you get to another series, and then you pray and repeat the same strategy. I mean, the year they went to the cup final in 2014, they went to a game seven in all three of the rounds before, and no, excuse me, first and second round, seven games, then against Montreal, six games. But generally speaking, your entire strategy is, all right, we need our goalie to play out of their mind, or we can't win, isn't a sustainable strategy, which is a good way of tying back into the Predators, because that's kind of been how they've played this year, where when Saros has been on, he's been outstanding. He has been oh, yeah. one of the best goalies in the entire league when he's been right this year. And they haven't given him a ton to work with. They've been outshot at five on five majority of the season. They've conceded more dangerous scoring chances than the opposition has created. And they've given up more expected goals than they've created expected goals. Don't worry, I'm not going to talk about numbers. I'm, I, I promise. But <laughs> Just Nashville has gone as UC Saros has gone this year. I don't know. I like, I of course I'm biased, but I feel like we have some pretty good goalies on us. Even with the, 
you know, just Pekka. I know he's kind of mainly been like backup right now, but mm-hmm. that's a whole other story. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah, no. Uh, I know it's been an interesting ride for Rene there in Nashville. He's been there his whole career. I know there was some murmuring that hey, maybe the Predators should consider shopping him. And Poyle was like, well, no, we kind of want him to finish his career here. We don't mind paying him what we pay him. He's played his whole career here. We care about him, that kind of thing. The, the respectful way that you treat a guy who's been done right by your franchise. And I don't know how much you want to get into it, but he's one of the important figures in Nashville's history as a hockey team. He's one Oh of... no. Yeah. He's like a, like main character type shit. Yeah. Like for sure. It's like, well, basically like the whole sports hierarchy in Tennessee, I guess you'd say, uh, it, fo- like football way, way before hockey. Would, and you like say all that other shit. would you say it's the Titans or the volunteers? Or both? Uh, balls, balls. balls. Well, I, I, I'm in Knoxville, so I, you know, I'm obviously biased, but I have to see that fucking prison orange everywhere. But, you know, go Vols. And, uh, yeah, so I'd say it's like naturally NASCAR and football and then a bunch of other sports and then mundane shit like bowling and golf and then hockey. And, uh, I don't know. Like, the balls are right there, so no one gives a shit about the ice bears skating around the SPHL with their fucking SpongeBob camouflage jerseys. But, you know, obviously, like, the closer you get to Nashville, the more people care about hockey. Mm-hmm. So, Pecker and Nays are king. Dolly Pardons are queen. This is Tennessee. And I don't know. With Pecker, it feels like it feels like he's kind of, like, wasting his I wouldn't say his best years. Mm. I, I feel like those are well behind him. Not to shit on him or throw him under the bus, but no, no. Uh, I don't know. He just feels like he's kind of trapped in this purgatory fluke franchise, undergoing a fucking rebuild. It hurts. Like you probably ask anyone in that organization who would be winning the cup for, and you'd hear his name like even before the, the obligatory. Oh, we're gonna win it for a city. But, you know, he's – like, everyone would say this about their goalie. Like, I'm sure the Flyers would say this to Brian Elliott. But, like, you know, he's deserving. He's been with – he's been through a lot with this team. To go from, like, an eighth-round pick, got the call telling him that he was drafted in the middle of a Finnish midsummer party to the winner. He, uh, he's just endearing. I know it's not nearly enough, but still. I miss a team that said that they wanted to win it for him back in, like, 2017. I'm well aware that our defense was like just as bad then as it is now, but like, you know, we had heart. I feel like that kind of goes a long way. There's something to that, the mindset of, well, we have an amazing goalie, so we don't have to allocate our money as responsibly. I know the Rangers really did that badly where they just gave Henrik Lundqvist a fuck ton of money and said, it's fine, Hank, you're so good. We'll figure out everything else around you. And Nashville didn't do it to the same degree the Rangers did with paying their goalie and then saying we'll figure out everything else around them but it's the similar process it's the similar team building idea of we have such a good goalie that we feel confident enough we can score at least two goals in every playoff game and they won't give up more than two goals that's not a great strategy but 
I can understand why as a short-sighted general manager trying to save their job, you would pursue that line of thinking. It definitely can buy you time. You can always say, oh, we lost two to one. Well, you know, we just got to get some better chances. You know, seven games isn't enough to evaluate an entire team. And you get to do that for three or four years, and then you make a trade or two. And then you say, well, we changed the composition of our team. So now we get to try it again with this new group. And that's kind of where the Predators are now. But, like, you know, they've had the same general manager for, like, 20 years. So it's a little different. But to some degree, it's the same mindset of Poyle is constantly trying to slightly tinker with things, change things. And it's a good way to transition to talking about this season specifically because you mentioned that you kind of re your re-entry point was the bubble last summer. But this season has been very weird for the Predators. Their season started out wonky because they were supposed to play Dallas and those games got postponed. That entire division is kind of a mess, to be completely honest. I, no, the, yeah. the Florida teams have kind of snapped off. Carolina is always good in the regular season. Then come the playoffs, they're kind of a mess. They don't have the same level of high-end talent of the teams they go against. But Nashville's been interesting. I know Chicago started out kind of better than everyone expected because they had um, Lycanon, the goalie, playing pretty well out of the gate. And Nashville came, uh, excuse me, Chicago came back down to earth and Nashville didn't play amazingly well, but better than Chicago has for about two and a half weeks now and caught them and passed them. So what's this year specifically been like? Because I know you said this was your re-entry point. So coming into the season, you're fully invested saying, all right, I'm going to watch Predators games when I'm not busy. What's this year been like for you? Uh very odd like mm. i would say usually uh usually with nashville it's like whenever we lose momentum it's like it's that that's it we're, we're like fucking done for but uh yeah recently like anytime i'm like oh this team is shit this team's garbage you know we're never gonna fucking make it to the playoffs ever again they're like ah psych actually we're uh we're back with the vengeance. Just kidding. We're alive now, but it's it's been weird. Again, it's been that like emotional whiplash, like type shit. <laughs> no, you're you're entirely where you were supposed to be. It's been a very weird season. The Predators started out pretty slow, and you know they they've taken advantage of their situation. They're in a relatively top heavy division where they're th- clearly three good teams and then there's nashville chicago and dallas all fighting for that fourth spot and all of them have kind of had weird runs dallas had the COVID outbreak to start the season they've never really been right all year tyler sagan hasn't played at all chicago started out relatively slow they had the nice run with kevin likenin as the starting goalie and they've kind of cooled off since and nashville has been pretty dinged off they've had a few guys get hurt recent weeks They haven't played amazing hockey, but they've treaded water enough to be in the mix, and they've caught Chicago. So you're entirely right that it's been a weird year. That division is kind of a mess. The fact that we, like, somehow, like, swept the Hawks with the Milwaukee Admirals, essentially, is insane. Yeah. And I feel like that's not how hockey should work. So it's, it's a little confusing, but, you know, I'll take it. 
Also with the Hawks and the Stars, I feel like it's especially fun because for some reason there's like a very apparent rivalry there. Mm -hmm. The Hawks one being kind of dated, but, you know, still funny because fuck the Hawks. Uh, I don't know. I think I think it I think it kind of like got reignited with the goalie goal, and you knew this was, this was coming. I was gonna boast on Pecker and A's goalie goal, but like I think I think that definitely reignited that. And you know, oh, I think about like the whole crowd at the Bridgestone Arena booing Patrick Kane at the All Star weekend at, at weekend at least like once a day. That was hysterical. Then everyone in media availability giggling. When they asked, they felt sorry for him because fuck that guy. There is an entire generation of hockey fans who just, there's a consensus amongst us that, well, you know, fuck the Blackhawks for winning three Stanley Cups in five years. Like, that's not fair. I've been watching hockey X number of years and my team has been good, like five of them. This isn't fair. You got to win three Stanley Cups in five years. That's not fair. And I have Blackhawk fan friends, and I kind of hate them for, you know, their, the, the success of their sports teams. And it, it's one of those things where you kind of have to balance the whole, well, you know, sports are my entire personality, but, you know, these are also my friends, so I can't hate them for that. It's one of those things you got to find a way to balance. And one of the things I wanted to talk to you about specifically was you kind of have I don't want to say you've kind of found a foothold because that's kind of serious describing what you do on Twitter, just being funny, just being yourself, basically. But I'm literally just saying shit. How has Twitter and finding friends and mutuals, that kind of thing, changed your relationship with hockey? Uh, well, for starters, I didn't know that gay people could like hockey. I didn't know that that was, I didn't know that that was something that we were allowed to get into. So, like, that's dope, objectively. Uh, and then, you know, I have a horde of lesbians and gays on my side. So it's pretty, pretty, pretty solid, I'd say. I don't know. I, uh, it was, it's refreshing, I guess, to see that there aren't just, like, a fan base that consists like solely of like I said middle-aged white men with a bunch of indecipherable numbers and their twitter handles and a fear of pronouns but you know I uh I've had, I had fun it's I didn't think I would have fun getting back into sports I didn't think sports could be fun like in the slightest and that's probably like one of the main reasons I'm kind of like sticking through it but you know I like their fun little videos with their sparkles and shit like that. Absolutely. That, I mean, that's the part of the, that's part of the reason a lot of us are just on Twitter is we want to find people who like the same thing as we do and talk about it with them and expand on them. I mean, I just casually found someone retweeted one of Megan's fan cams into my timeline. and was like, that's pretty cool. Okay. Retweet that. Okay. <laughs> I see another one. Okay. She does this consistently. Okay. Follow. Okay. Week or two go by. Okay. She followed me back. Going to her DMs. You make good videos about the hockey men. That kind of thing. Like there's that consensus building of we all have this shade this same shared misery about our favorite teams. And we all have different favorite teams, but we are the only people who can understand that kind of 
the sports induce psychosis amongst each other. And it's one of the things that is most telling. It's the, the only people who are on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, whatever you're do, using that are talking about sports are the most passionate ones. There are people who watch hockey who don't make it their whole personality that have functioning adult lives and do other things. But we're all finding each other by accident on social media and connecting with each other because we all understand each other. That deep underlying of, well, these 23 strangers I've never met are going to control my emotions for the next three hours. I sure hope this goes well. Yeah, it's just a... It's nice. It's nice uh, having Stockholm Syndrome with friends, I guess, because just the, the essence of sports fandom. That's, w- that's way too on the nose. That, that was a little <laughs> bit of a personal attack. That was a little bit of a personal attack. Yeah, you, you, I, <laughs> I just, I don't know. I, uh, well, another thing is I didn't know that, like, I could, like, different te- like there's always this urge to feel loyal i think to like mm-hmm. your your home team unless you're in ohio <laughs> no. <laughs> no nobody should like the jackets in my opinion but uh yeah no it's so it's it's kind of nice like after uh after the predators fell out in the, in the playoffs i watched the flyers for god knows why and that was fun for a minute and now i'm somehow invested in that but i'll blame megan for that oh no i entirely have the same habit like i have a bunch of friends that are devils fans and now i'm just i'm sympathetic towards the devils and like i only have like oh my god yeah i that whole thing the recent uh, trade, which shows how much I give a shit about the East Division. Uh, what's his nuts got traded or got acquired by who? The Islanders. Yes, there we yeah. go. You're on the money. There you go. <laughs> there you I... go. Insider Knox. <laughs> gonna Photoshop a TSN logo behind your Twitter avatar, and I'm gonna let you make that your avatar for the next week till the trade deadline. Insider. This... So just that watching that whole thing uh, happen. That's that's. I feel like that's another thing. Is if your division's doing horrible, odds are there's another division that's doing just as bad, if if not worse. I never know what's going on in the East Division, but it seems like fun. It's chaos. It seems like fun because I'm not in it, but you know, I'm sure it's hell for like you. I mean. I didn't really have expectations for the Rangers this year. Our coach is kind of an idiot. He's very much a mouth-breathing masculine type where if you don't play well, you come out of the lineup type deal, like what your dad would do if he was coaching you in hockey, the the um, what's the negative reinforcement type coach. I, I, I forgot about psychology. It's been a while since college. But yeah, the negative reinforcement type coach deal. I didn't expect much, but at the same time, this division has been miserable because no team is that particularly good, so they call kind of just beat the shit out of each other, where every team has kind of gone on a run of being pretty good. The Flyers came out of the gate relatively well. They had their COVID outbreak. They've been pretty bad ever since. The Rangers kind of ha- came out of the gate slow. They've had a good, a reasonably decent month. The Bruins came out of the gate hot. They have been bad since, basically since they played that game at um, Lake Tahoe. 
the Devils have been pretty bad out of the gate. The Sabres have been bad out of the gate. It's been a, the Islanders have been pretty good. The Capitals have been pretty good, but no one is really that good. Like the East Division, everybody's relatively close to each other, and that's kind of why it's so miserable. Is that everyone is so close to each other? But I entirely agree with you. The whole well, yeah, I'm friends with Megan now, so I guess I kind of care about the Flyers. It's a very real thing. Yeah, I'm uh, invested inadvertently. It's the same thing with the Canucks, because there are so many Canucks fans on Twitter that I'm friends with. It's like, I yeah, don't damn get... it. I just wish their fans weren't so fucking likable. Yeah. Maybe, it's... I, maybe I wouldn't like their team as much. You're entire, you, you hit that entirely on the nose. And they have a likable team, to be fair. They I do, mean, they do. Besser, Pedersen, Quinn Hughes. They've got a very likable team. Yes, I chuckled saying Quinn Hughes because I'm just thinking about all the reaction pictures of him <laughs> looking like a 17-year-old in distress. There is no way that guy is 21 years old. There is absolutely no chance he is 21 years old. I am old. always forgetting that. Him and Laugh. I always forget that they're like... Well, Laugh isn't even in his 20s, is he? He's like 19. Yeah, he's 19 and he he's looks 30. <laughs> I forget. I forget that they're like near my age, but in two completely different ways. Loft, it's it's all in the goatee, really. If he's clean shaven, he probably looks nineteen, but he can actually grow a goatee at nineteen. He's one of the <laughs> he's one of the lucky ones. That that's a badge of honor as like someone who was a sophomore in college not that long ago, like nah, four four years ago, sophomore in college. I could grow a little bit of a beard, but it would come in patchy. There'd be holes in it. It wouldn't look good. His beard actually comes in pretty good for someone who's only 19. So I entirely understand that. And this brings me to something I definitely wanted to touch on with you is just finding the likable people, finding the characters, that kind of thing. So I talked about it with Megan and she defined it as wifeability. How would you describe what goes into finding someone likable? Because it's not about them playing hockey specifically. That's just an added bonus. How, yeah. What translates about whether it's who they are, their presence, their personality? What translates well, to making a hockey player likable? Because there are so few likable hockey players. Yeah, I I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of hard. Like, uh, like, well, respectability politics politics was a hot topic today mm-hmm. uh given uh fucking whatever's going on with islanders and devils but uh anyways uh that dude who's like barefaced is like first day out there it's it, it's i don't know it, it makes it doesn't make them like dislikable it makes them kind of like retreat into the shell and then subsequently they're not like as likable because mm-hmm. like I don't know. I like to joke about like Connor McDepression Mansion's fucking stoicism, but like seriously, I just no wonder these guys are fucking boring. That's all they're allowed to be. It just kind of reinforces how white this sport is. And that's that's like no way to grow the game, really. And uh I don't know. It's 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 all it's all weird cuz then then you do have players show like the tiniest bit of personality. Like uh, maybe this is not the best example, but one that comes to mind is like uh, Jake Voracek mm-hmm. when he told off. I 
can't even remember who the guy he told off was. I just remember that Charlie O'Connor was up next and he sounds terrified. Right now. Uh, yeah, he bitched him out for essentially asking the same questions I hear like every time. Like, what do you expect if you ask someone, hey, does it suck to suck? Yeah. Of course he snapped, but you know. Everyone got pissy about that. And then it circled back to, you know, respectability politics and all that shit. I don't know. It all, like, bleeds into fandom, I guess. Hockey fans are kind of, like, incapable of having fun. It depends. Because there, well, yeah. there are very different sects of that, which is part of this, the larger conversation about, like, about growing hockey and making it accessible and enjoyable for everybody. It's very real that these structures are in place, that they're reinforced by people who are in a club that they're in for life. You're a general manager, a coach, an assistant coach. One, you're never not going to be in hockey. You get to keep some semblance of a job in hockey until you're old enough to collect benefits as a retiree. You don't ever leave the power structure. The power structure has been like this your entire life. It's never going to change. Oh, my God. How did... I'm sorry, as we're recording, I'm watching the Ranger game and how did he just miss the <laughs> that the goalie was entirely out of. The, go- the, the Penguins goalie was out of the net. He shot and the net was open and he missed the net entirely. He didn't even hit the post. I'm sorry. That was, that was bad form by me. Bad form by me. But keeping my, th- keeping my thought, hockey is an entirely a regimented sport. Like you said, these guys are expected to fit within what, what's in front of them because the people in charge have had the same structure their entire life. These guys either play at hockey or been around hockey, what have you. There's no room for anything. I... Yeah, no, everything about hockey is very, like, uh, for lack of a better word, just conformist like yeah. in, every, in like every regard. And it, it's boring. It's like no way to grow the game. You see people fiending for like an ounce of personality and then you get that and suddenly it's like, no, wait, not like that. Yeah. But no, please don't go liking. Please don't go liking Blaze Media tweets on Twitter. Please, please don't go liking Ted Cruz tweets. Please, please. I wanted to like you, man. Please. Uh, it's it's disappointing, but then that gets into the larger discussion about you know the the pedestal we put celebrities and athletes on, and the idealism of should we be. Ex- what standard do we hold our friends up to versus athletes? And it's all a very complicated thing. And it's, it's frustrating. It's entirely frustrating. And of course, that bleeds into the larger, you know, there's no ethical consumption when we're in this kind of system. And it got way too, way, got way, way too philosophical there. Cause all of No, no, are, yeah. No, the, all, I, my understanding of this is just hockey existentialism with Nick. That really is what this comes down to at the end of the day, yes. That really is what it comes down to is, well, my hockey team's not winning. This is bullshit. I want I want things to change. But I got a little too deep there. But yeah, circling back around to your point about fitting in and conformity and regimenting that, I mean, the Canadians traded away P.K. Subban when he was one of the five best defensemen in the entire league because yeah. he liked to skate without a helmet on during warm-ups, and he occasionally said more than just, we got to get pucks in deep and get some good looks during media availability. 
I, I still have yet to see anything problematic PK Subban has done aside from call Jack Hughes little jizzy. <laughs> no, <laughs> she has to bring up a little jizzy. I, just... I, I had to. Jack Hughes is good at hockey, and he's got that nickname now. It stuck. <laughs> that's that's so unfortunate. That's God. He he really had no control of that situation. That's that's terrorism. You can't just inflict that on the young boy. There's an example of the con- There's the example of the conformity. PK Subban gave him that nickname. PK Subban probably won't be on the Devils past the 2021-2022 season, but the oh, people yeah. who were on the team this year but are going to be on the team next year, they're still going to be calling him Lil Jizzy, and Jack Hughes is going to be a 40-year-old man, and there are still going to people who derisively call him Little Jizzy, and he's never going to be able to live that down. Oh, like, it's funny I'm now because just... he's like 19, and like you know he looks like he's still not... – no, he's 20 now. He still looks like he's 20. He's still got he's a baby. He's like a grown-ass dude paying taxes. Yeah. Well, Jizzy. <laughs> it's, like, it's like people who like peaked in high school going by like their nicknames back then. It's just, uh, it's, you know. As someone who still gets called the nickname they had in high school on a relatively normal basis, I'm going to transition. I'm going to transition to the next topic to not get, not take it too personally because it, obviously it's not that serious. Wait, wait, what? wait, 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 wait. What's your nick? What was your nickname? My nickname in high school was Big Z. <laughs> My last name started it's with a not Z. That bad. It's not that it's bad. It's not that no. bad. But like, you know, I'm like an adult. I like you said, I pay taxes. I'm looking for gainful employment. You can't be calling Big a grown person. You can't be calling yourself Big Z. I still get called that. It doesn't bother me, but to, you you yeah, brought it up. Somebody call you that. I, you wouldn't be the only person. <laughs> not like it matters. So one of the things that goes into this likability that's funny is hockey is getting younger, progressively younger. There's a lot of guys who are coming in that are 18, 19 right away making the NHL. And guys who are 30, 31, 32 are getting pushed out earlier than they had prior because teams don't want to pay veterans what veterans are worth. And one of the things I'm, excuse me, one of the things I'm very interested to see is the transition of people who use the internet in the way people like you and I do, being professional athletes, I think is going to make things oh, very, very interesting. Interesting in like in like what regard? Because I feel like it's gonna get messy. Well, why do you think it's gonna get messy? We can start there and then we can talk about why I think it'd be interesting. Why is it gonna be messy? I think I don't know. If you have some young prospect on Twitter popping off of the mouth a la fucking Bennington, then you're going to have some problems. Well, not like, honestly, it's, it's, it's nothing. They're going to ignore shit like that. It doesn't matter, but still, it's going to be interesting, I think, to observe. As long as I live, knowing as a Ranger fan that Charlie McAvoy tweeted, fuck the Bruins because they beat the Rangers that night, I'm always going to be happy about that. I'm always going to be happy about that. Charlie, if you're listening, please come join the Rangers in free agency. We could use you. Very much so. We could use you. I think it's going to be interesting because I think it's going to force a systemic change in the way hockey operates just because these younger guys are way too online. and You see it with people like Elias Pettersson who are towing the line between being cool online and too online. There's that yeah, very that... fine line as a celebrity of, well, I can be funny on Twitter and 
I'm tweeting what I had for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and I'm tweeting about my workouts, that kind of thing. Yeah. I think if you, I think there's an opportunity to seize, to seize. I don't want to say the moment because that's a little bit too narrow, but just kind of gain a presence that you wouldn't look at what Igor Larionov is doing. Oh he's my god! Even, yeah, he's not even in the NHL, and just by being like likable on Twitter. He is gaining a, a foothold. I keep seeing his tweets and tweets about him popping up more and more, and it's been a month. Just a month of being... Everything I've alive. learned about him has been against my will. Him and Ben Shapiro. It's him and Ben... Oh, it's him and Ben Shapiro. But that's exactly to my point of, well, my hockey team might be boring, and our social media manager might just tweet pictures of us at practice, but I can tell people what I'm doing. Well, I'm going to the movies. I'm going to see this movie. I'm hanging out with my teammates. We're playing FIFA on one of my friend's couches. This is cool. This- I think it's it's like it's odd. I think it well it's like inherently odd to see like someone who I guess dedicates himself to like a sport that is like as intense as hockey like be so online cuz you mm. know there's going to be there's going to be middle-aged men who are like oh why are you online all the time shouldn't be at the rink and shit like that like David Ferentz for example who I believe is having his debut as we speak tweets about what he has for lunch like every fucking day (laughs) and he's I love him and I I hope that he never stops I I, god I hope that he never gets a media manager for like like Connor McDavid style but I don't know. I feel like that's that's like inadvertently a way to kind of get rid of some of the conformist like ideologies around hockey. Absolutely. I PK Subban does a decent job of being online but not too online. He kind of posts like a Facebook mom, but he, he's <laughs> trying. He's trying yeah. to engage with people. He's being reasonable. It's not bad. There aren't a ton of guys in hockey. I, Football players in the NFL are relatively decent at Twitter. Then again, a lot of those guys have a full-time social media manager, like you had said about McDavid, who posts really bad pictures. Like, if you're going to pay for a professional social media manager, don't filter your dog out of the pictures, dude. That's fucked up. I just – I don't get what the point of those pictures is. Like, yes, I get it. Shout out, Lenny. (laughs) Like I said, I don't get what the... Lenny, if you want to come on the podcast... Please, bark about that kitchen. I want to have an interior design person on just to talk about that kitchen for 30 minutes. Please. Oh, my God. I have something like a interior design and therapist. There's got to be some kind of intersection there. That is a beautiful thing that you just jogged into my memory. There was an entire article in The Athletic fall of 2019 about all of the pressure McDavid puts on himself and the relationship he has with his mom and his girlfriend and well he had a bad week and a half okay his mom is flying in his girlfriend's gonna go pick him up at the airport what are we gonna do on Friday night to get his mind off of hockey and that's another part of this discussion in terms of the conformity and the rigors of hockey is at some these guys are people yes we put all of our hopes and dreams and our emotional investment into them but at some level you know they do, they are people and the weight of expectation it weighs on them and i can't even imagine what someone like Connor mcdavid goes through on a daily basis even if he's not 
diagnosed with any condition. Oh just, my God, that's something I think about all the time is like, so I have, I have OCD, like really mm. bad. And I, I see these guys do their weird, like, like Nolan Patrick, when he walked down the ice backwards, I was like, that's a weird ritual. Like I do shit like that. Someone should probably check that out. <laughs> like they might not even know that they have OCD because you hear about these weird, like, like they call them superstitions, mm-hmm. but like they can't function without them. Like it's, it's really, it's really fucked up. Like who is that one? Who is that one guy that wrote like a whole thing about like his OCD in the NHL? There have been a few guys who have talked to the about avalanche. it. Yes. Oh God, I'm such a bad podcast host. I know exactly who you're talking about. I can't think of <laughs> yeah. I cannot think of this person's name, but I know who exactly you're talking about. It's yeah. a it's a very real thing, and only a handful of people have done it. I know um Kevin Love, uh, who's I don't know if he's still technically on the Cavaliers, but he's been pretty open about his battle with depression and what that like, what that is like as a professional athlete. But there are a lot of people who have either who have fallen out of hockey where their professional career ended or guys who have retired, who have talked about just the burden that playing hockey was on their existence, how rigorous, how difficult and the underlying, well, I probably have brain damage from playing the sport since I was eight years old and how this is going to affect me the rest of my life and how that's going to impact my emotions and my mental health. I feel like hockey ignoring the whole human element of their sport is part of this problem of, well, you know, we only want so we only want hockey, not soap operas. Well, these are humans. The reason the Olympics chart well on TV every year is, we know why the gymnast from rural Kentucky can do this tumble run or this floor routine. Humanize these guys. Tell us about what they go through. Help us understand who they are as people, and it will make them infinitely more likable. It's one of the things I want to see more from social media people uh, who run accounts for their teams is I want to get to know these guys. These people have been on my team for X number of years. Let me know something about them. I don't just care yeah. about who they are as hockey players. Like, I want to know they're okay. I like, I understand sucking for a number of games in a row is draining. You know, what do you like to do in your free time? Are you into other sports? Do you like movies? Do you like music? I want to well, humanize hockey players. That yeah. Well, that's that's the thing. I feel like is uh, you think that would make them more well marketable rather and i guess that's that's a horrible way to say it but that's all the nhl sees them as is just marketable objects so i don't know giving giving them personality it would be nice i don't know why it wouldn't be in their best interest to do that unless you know they just it's just all about conformity and respectability politics and dress code and stuff like that but i don't know i uh I think that the new kids that are coming in could probably fuck that up a little bit for the better. I mean, Jack Hughes starts selling little Jizzy t-shirts on his Instagram. He's going to fuck the the system up is all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. If anyone wants to break the system, Jack Hughes has the nickname to do it. That's a free idea. Jack Hughes, Hughes, that's a free idea. If you want to sell some t-shirts and mess up the social dynamics of hockey, by all means, take that one. It's a freebie. 
No licensing, no nothing. One of the other things that falls into this that is a little bit lower down in the topics of ideas, but because we're talking about this, what the hell is going on with the Predators mascot? For the love of God, <laughs> what is going on with Nash? What is going what, on? Nash? What, Nash? I don't yes. know, you know, just, you know, got to pander to furries. Why not? <laughs> what I mean, what are mascots, if not franchise personas just glorified that's, that's all they are like but there are a few teams who have kind of like they haven't directly acknowledged the existence of furries but the predators have that the one team in moscow yes that is straight up just a fursuit <laughs> the funniest shit ever oh god and, and again i mean furries are people i'm not saying <laughs> hockey needs to fully embrace furries as part of the markability plan but no, yeah you know we don't just <laughs> gary need... gary you can have this one for free gary, make it happen hockey and this is a beautiful way to talk about it hockey is an amazing sport if you can just get people in the door if oh, you yeah. can just get someone in the door to go to a hockey game in person they will have an amazing time hockey is absolutely the best sport to see in person it it is just such a visually striking game and it just it looks so much better than it does on tv and part of that is building up casual fans you have to have those casual fans who are a little bit invested and you said it in the first part of this conversation is there's no such thing as just a normal or a casual hockey fan and that's part of the problem. We need more of the, you know, all right, there's hockey on. I'll watch that like there is for basketball, for football, yeah. for baseball. Because hockey's awesome. I don't know anyone who, if you put a hockey game and a baseball game on next to each other, I like baseball. Like, I actively like baseball. And I cannot imagine a person who would say, I'd rather watch a hockey game than a baseball game. I, I just can't. And Oh, no, yeah, easily. We gotta get the casual fans, and yeah. there's there's an entire pipeline of young people who are going from stand content to sports content, and for some reason, hockey and racing are the two they most translate to. I'm still yeah. trying to figure out why it's hockey and Formula I no One. Idea. I really don't. It's very <laughs> weird. I yeah, I I haven't the foggiest clue like how that even came about, but it's entertaining if nothing else. The entire sect of people who went directly from One Direction Twitter to hockey Twitter deserves multiple papers. Mo <laughs> there needs to be sociologists studying why they went to hockey. No, of there's that. Like it's always like like every the hockey fan hockey, on that corner of hockey Twitter, at least I've ever met is like, has been into one of these things, one direction, supernatural, teen wolf, <laughs> just <laughs> shit like that. Like it has to be like one of them or Taylor Swift. I'm like, I, I hey, don't know. You watch your people. mouth. Watch your mouth. Okay. 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 I'm sorry. Yeah, this comes out in like four hours. Watch your mouth. Fearless, <laughs> come, Fearless comes out in four hours. Watch your mouth. Nashville's princess, I should have known better. 
you did tweet that commercial the other day that I forgot about. I <laughs> in, I knew that commercial existed because I remember seeing it, but I entirely what? forgot it existed. <laughs> I forget where I saw. I want to say I saw that in like a YouTube compilation of NHL commercials. It was in there with like the one from like 2008 where it's a bunch of NHL players at a hotel and Ovi is ordering room oh service God, to Sidney yeah. Crosby's room. Yeah. That commercial. It was in a compilation. Everyone thought Hotel X would go down. The NHL missed a golden opportunity there. <laughs> that They could have turned that into a Jersey Shore MTV type thing where they should have set up a confessional room for guys to go in there after games to be like, oh God, that fucking sucked. We had so many good chances and we just couldn't bury one. Oh my God. Oh. I would have paid money to just uh, just see the um, security cam footage of that poor guy. I already I forgot his name that walked in on a horde of flyers and yes, only knew from Jake the Penguins. Yes. Yeah, only knew Jake Voracek, and that was enough to get him in. The frat house that is the Hotel X elevator. How many people <laughs> do you know here? Yes. I know Jake Voracek. Okay, he's cool. He's cool. <laughs> that's all you need, yeah. Yeah, that's really all you need. I still can't believe the bubble went off relatively without a hitch. I can't believe there wasn't one person who tried to sneak someone in. There wasn't uh, an outbreak of COVID. I'm still kind of in shock that the bubble worked, aside from, you know, the whole no one that isn't a hockey fan already watched it on TV. Yeah, the, like, I don't know, like, especially relative to now. Mm-hmm. Just what's happened with well a lot of teams really mm. i mean dallas and the canucks now like especially is just insane because <laughs> i remember them priding themselves i remember those middle-aged fans that were like well you know nhl does it best and blah 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 like my sport and uh just because they did their bubble playoffs and no one got infected, but look at us now. I mean, of course, this circles back to the hockey nihilism hour with Nick about, you know, the ethical consumption thing. There's no reason we should actually be playing hockey right now until the oh, pandemic no. is over. I, I, I don't understand why teams are insisting on selling 3,000, 4,000 tickets to their home games, you know, only increasing the risk one of their million-dollar investments of a hockey player is going to catch COVID because the air filtration in a cold room is worse than in a warm room. So, you know. Th- I will th- say a uh, good, good call on the Rangers for that uh, cute little photo shoot, the vaccination photo shoot. Yes. That was, Jacob, that was, I think that was a good call. Jacob Truba being married to a doctor helps. <laughs> yes, that's uh, part yeah. of the reason. All, all, all we got was a Nick Cousins gross Instagram post, and that was it. And there were still people that bitched out about it. Okay. Shout out Jacob Truba. That man requested a trade to a team in the United States so his girlfriend, now wife, could go to med school. Good on Jacob Truba. Good person. Oh, nice. Yeah. Good. One of the few good ones. One of the few yeah. good ones. So another thing that I thought of while you were talking before that I kind of wanted to gauge your energy on was what was the Tony D'Angelo getting punched in the face day and a half of Twitter like for you as an outside observer, as not a Ranger fan? What was that day and a half like? entertaining <laughs> it was very it was very fun i fucking cranked out as many jokes as i could i ran it and it like milk that shit dry Are you kidding me i like still talk about it. it's like one of the funniest fucking things like wait are we talking 
about because you say Tony D'Angelo and there are like multiple instances that come Oh, I was mind. talking about him getting punched in the face and put on waivers uh, and everyone uh, losing their goddamn mind for three straight days about how funny it was that someone was such an idiot that they couldn't keep their mouth shut and get paid four and a half million dollars a year to play hockey. Well, that, yeah, that, I mean, people still talk about it, like when Samarin uh, punched uh, Lemieux mm. and <laughs> yeah. Who went to where did he go? LA? Yes. Yeah. But I don't know. Something you you got the two most punchable guys punched and off the team. Yes. So congrats. The likability the likability of the Rangers has increased. Oh my god, skyrocketed. Are you kidding me? And now the social media team is starting to pump out a bunch of the K Andre and Lafreniere content. And it's like, oh, these yeah. are our babies. You guys will like our babies. You like our babies. I promise you like our baby hockey men. They're going to make you happy. And they got a new social media person in the last month because now they're I'm actually- sorry, that was the worst arrangement of words I've ever heard. <laughs> hey, man, that's what they, that's been their social strategy. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. It's in a nutshell, two, yeah. For a month is these are 19 and 20 year old hockey players. They're very new, they're very young. We promise you're going to like them. And they've just been doing pretty much everything with them. They make sure to post Andre coming into a game every night in his dress clothes because he wears an impeccable suit every single game. Oh, they, make yeah. sure, they make sure to post Loth because Loth always wears the same misfitting suit. Uh, he needs to get someone. <laughs> Very car salesman. Yes. I've seen more than one person call and say he looks like a used car salesman. In that I suit. love it. I love it. He's got one such is... good energy, though. He does. He he's really a, does. He's a likable guy. Like every, I know everyone like likes to clown on him, but like one, he's getting paid like stacks, so it's allowed. But two, I don't know. He's just a funny little guy. I like a funny little guy. Fucking, I say about the number one draft pick, whatever. Anyways, this is a grown man who, you know, after the game is over, he's like, I'm, I'm going out of my way to hug all my teammates because I'm so happy we just won the game. <laughs> I, I can respect that. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. That was probably, that is someone who had a sheltered childhood. He's making sure to go hug all his teammates after a game. He's never had a teammate who disliked him, basically, is how I'm gathering this. Or all oh, his yeah. teammates were too scared to dislike him. <laughs> one or the other. One of those two. I'm not sure which one. I can't imagine being scared of him. Seems like a seems like a sweet boy. That's very fair. That's entirely fair. <laughs> this is a question I asked Megan. I'm gonna ask you. I know you're not grading on the same scale. Define wife ability. I do not control what is or isn't wife. I have no authority over wifeism. I don't control. I'm asking your opinion. I know you're not the arbiter of wifeism. <laughs> okay, I was going to say. I, I, I know don't... you're not the arbiter. Yeah, I'm not manning the wifeification beam or whatever. <laughs> uh, what makes a player wife? Yes. They are all divorcees at best. I, <laughs> they are, I, I, I don't know what makes them wifeable. The size of their contracts, maybe the, um, there's not really much personality to base it off of. Do, uh, I would say, you know what? I take it all back. 
flow. It's it's mostly that. It's it's mostly just that. That's one of the things that's unique to hockey is just having a specific haircut and lets everyone else know you're a hockey player. It's one of those things where even if you're not good at hockey, you go out of your way to do like Brendan Lemieux, like actively bad at hockey, but I'm going to grow out sick hair and let everyone else know I'm a professional hockey player. But wife ability. Negative wife ability. Negative wife ability. Negative wife ability. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I mean, it's like a lot of factors, isn't it? All I want to say is flow is like all that comes to mind right now because only wives I can think of is Ryan Graves and Nolan Patrick and, you know, all those. Ryan Graves should be on the Rangers right now. Their general manager is not good at evaluating defensemen. Uh, um... Okay, one other thing I thought, no, because you keep talking, and while you're talking, I'm trying to think of other things I want to talk about, because there are a lot of things I want to talk about, but I also don't want to monopolize your entire Thursday night, because, you know, we both have other things we got to do. Yeah, we sure do, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I fucking, I don't have shit to do. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I mean, I gotta, I I was trying to be nice. You know, I I didn't want to assume. I I don't know if you're busy or not, and you know, absolutely not. I love the hockey podcast. You fill in the dots. Okay. <laughs> not not knocking your podcast. <laughs> oh God! At least we're having fun. That was that the was point. that was mean. I'm sorry. Being bullied on my own show. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, if I made you Gary Bettman. For one day, I put you in charge of the whole league. You can do whatever you want for one day. What's the ridiculous thing you're enforcing? Are you making the jerseys a ridiculous color? Are you forcing teams to play like four defensemen and one forward at a time? Are you forcing only, are you forcing people with numbers in their Twitter handle to not be able to reply to tweet team account tweets? What are you doing if you're Gary Bettman for a day? I is it okay so when when I when when I make like whatever decision as Gary Bettman is it just for one day no it's permanent you get to keep the decision stays once your powers have ended abolish shootouts <laughs> yes I agree that's <laughs> a good one that's sick a, of shootouts. I absolutely agree I was expecting something like Every single time someone scores a goal, they have to go immediately on camera like it's the Jersey Shore. I was expecting yeah, something silly. Oh, I mean, I mean, I, I don't know. Fucking get rid of the shootout. Is a good one. Just end the game yeah, and yeah. tie. Just end the yeah, game you're... and tie. The shootout is dumb entirely. Okay, no, I'll do, hang on. I'll do a funny one. Let me let me get funny for a second. Hang you get on. one of me. <laughs> Give me a second. I'll be funny. Don't uh, force uh, Um. Uh, you score a goal, your celly has to be teammate on the lips. I was gonna say, like, <laughs> at least five, ten seconds long, but okay. <laughs> Everyone get vaccinated. You have to get vaccinated. That's the that's the kicker. There we go. If there we you want to score a goal, you have to get vaccinated. If you're not vaccinated, you can't score a goal. There's yep, the that's why I said that. We just solved the pandemic for the NHL. Here we go. I'm entire. I'm entirely picking up your energy, not directly, but I'm picking up things you're putting down. 
it will. I'm definitely taking credit for what you just said. So yeah, for sure. Definitely that solving COVID if I was Gary Bettman. Hey man, they're not doing a good job of it right now, to be quite honest. They're really <laughs> no, they're really focusing on trying to get the Canucks who are, you know, seven, eight points out of a playoff spot to play meaningless games in a season where 25 people in their organization have COVID pretty much their entire starting roster and some of their taxi squad guys are sick. It's kind of ridiculous. Say, yeah, like the Comets didn't play like 10 consecutive fucking games and then they came back and then of course they expect them to get like magically healthy after like two weeks which is not how that works in the slightest. It's like it's scary because like these guys are like really young and like we still don't know how it like how it'll affect them or you know, that, uh, like that pitcher who. Yeah. Rodriguez on the Red Sox. Yeah. 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 Like that was fucking terrifying. terrifying. Yeah. yeah. Myocarditis. Yeah. Inflamed heart from COVID. That's terrifying. And we don't know what like the long, long term effects are post that. But I know I've read a few different things. And I think I read something in the New York Times a couple of weeks ago about a lot of people who've had COVID have had that post-COVID fog where they're not able to focus as much, they haven't been as attentive, and we don't know if that ever goes away or if that's just who they are the rest of their life. And oh, yeah. These are professional athletes. And yeah, that's... like that, uh, I, I can't, I'm so bad with names, but the guy who, like, got COVID in the league and he was like, I didn't know if I was going to wake up the next morning. Yeah, Ristolainen on the Sabres. My God, yeah. Yeah. That that is just the worst. And then you have not, of course, not to suggest that like older players are like suspendable or like, you know, throw them away or whatever. But like the younger guys, especially, it's kind of like scary because you know it's like the start of their career. Yeah, they want to like really make an impact in the league and like make a name for themselves. And you know, with COVID, depending on the side effect might not get a chance and that's really scary this has been a very weird hockey season yeah yeah been well yeah i was gonna say it's always weird but not to this extent yeah no before i get you out of here one last thing i wanted to ask you about okay if i could give you anyone else on any other team in the league and you could drop them on the Predators right now, who would you like? Anyone. Man. Uh, fuck, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm really attached to this roster. You're not taking anyone off of it. You're just dropping someone in. I know. Just they just they have they have good chemistry and they're all good together and putting another guy in the mix might throw them off. I don't know. All but right, I, take take out Blatt, Nick Cousins, and put someone else in. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll take Dallas as big rig. Alexiak, okay, I can see. Do the Predators there's no there's no real reason. I just think he's pretty. Tell me all the stats now. <laughs> I was gonna say. A lot of general managers have traded for defensemen solely because they're tall, so you shouldn't feel any shame in that. Tyler Myers has been traded twice, and the 
Canucks gave him a gazillion dollars solely based on him being tall. He's not actually good. <laughs> no, no. He's act- actively bad. Like, he's made <laughs> Quinn Hughes bad. That, and, and that's hard to do because Quinn Hughes was pretty good as a 19-year-old. So, to actively be making him bad means Tyler Myers is bad. Yeah. I keep forgetting those trades deadline. God. I don't think anything... trade rumors triggers my fight or flight. I think, you guys, fight or fight. I think you guys are out of the woods because you're in a playoff spot now. I don't think you're going to trade Ekholm or uh, uh, Forsberg. Uh, Forsberg's hurt. You couldn't trade him anyway, but I don't think yeah. you they'll trade Ekholm. Yeah, I don't. I didn't. I, I mean, I kind of hope they wouldn't anyways, but yeah, definitely now that we're secured playoffs, but that's really weird. I hate saying that. You haven't secured it, but you're in good shape to make it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're in good shape. You're in reasonable shape. Yeah. I don't know. That and just the – even just the potential of a rebuild kind of looming is – It's been five years of a Rangers rebuild. I'm very much looking for it to be over. I I completely (laughs) understand the whole, well, that's five years of my life. I'm never, ever going to get back. Yeah, no, my understanding of rebuilds is uh, hockey purgatory. It depends. It really, really depends because you can be smart about it and just say, we're going to be the worst Uh, team in the league on purpose for three years in a row. And it goes well for you, like Toronto that said, all right, we're mediocre. Let's just be god-awful. All right, Matthews, Marner, Nylander, let's fucking roll. Or you could be Buffalo and do the same exact thing and not put those guys in a good position. So I entirely understand your hesitancy. I absolutely – because, you know, valuable time and emotional energy you're putting into your hockey team. And if they're going to suck for X number of years, that's not ideal. Yeah. Really not ideal. Knox, drop the Twitter ad for the people before I get you out of here. Just so I can introduce a few more of my people to your particular brand of humor, because you're extremely funny. Oh, thank you. Of course. Uh, uh, why am I opening Twitter? I know my Twitter handle. It's at uh, ShowPonyBoyX. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. I, yeah, I know you fun. were a little bit nervous about this, so I'm very glad you came on. I'm very glad you got to have a little bit of fun, kind of get some shit off your chest about why hockey irritates you. That's kind of what we're looking for here is people who care about this stuff a lot wanting to make it better because stupid people are in charge of things. That's the entire point of this podcast. People who care a lot wanting to care less, the podcast. Wow. I'm really getting violated tonight. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Two beers of me and half a bowl. I'm just, it's just all coming out. I'm sorry. It's entirely fine. This is a good excuse. Now you owe me and you have to come back on in a few weeks or months to come talk about something. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but now I have an excuse because you've bullied me. Okay. We'll we'll talk about Taylor Swift commercials or something. We'll figure something out. We'll Mm -hmm. we'll figure something out. Okie dokie. And with that, I want to thank Knox for coming on. I will see you guys on Monday. Enjoy the Masters this weekend. It's a busy weekend, hockey, basketball-wise. God willing, yeah, I'm probably going to end up watching all three Met games. We'll see how it goes. They still don't have anyone in the bullpen. If I'm still here on Monday after watching the Met bullpen for three straight days, it's been a good weekend. I'll see you guys then.